I, I want to speak this morning about dependence. Who do you depend on? Now, you'll also, of course, we depend on the Lord. Well, of course you do. That's why you're here. But I want to speak about what it means to depend on the Lord. What it genuinely means to depend on Him. So, um, there's the notes. Amazing, eh? I don't use a computer because I'm very IT challenged. I own it. My children have said to me, Dad, you've got to improve your IT skills. And I reminded them. I taught them to eat with a spoon. And if it wasn't for that, they would be very mired and bikile, as the Koza people say today. They can eat because I taught them how to eat. Who cares about IT? <laughs> you do. Yeah. I do care about it. I can take a photograph with my phone now. I can even send an email. I don't know how to send an attachment yet. You'll help me? Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty skilled. But I don't depend on it. My kids say, Dad, we found you. Where were you? I said, I was in the car. Well, I don't answer the phone when I'm in the car. Where's your phone? It's in the boot. Why? Because that doesn't, that helps me to answer the phone in the car. Don't you get irritated? You pass a guy and they, they're texting. And he's driving 40 in the fast lane. My sanctification is tested. Because some idiot is on his phone and he shouldn't be. He depends on that thing. It rings. Who's that? You do too. What's the first thing you go for in the morning when you wake up? <laughs> Other than a crying baby. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, sent the postcard, worn the shorts, done it all. Right? Know that story. Um, but that thing, we depend on it. A lot. Come on. You, you, you young people, I know you do. You say, oh, but you're so old, you see. You don't have to depend on that. Listen, I was so dependent on phones. Our phones were stuck to a wall. You couldn't go anywhere. You had to stand there and talk to the wall. It was here. That's all you could do. I was, we used to have a party line. You pick up the phone. You say, line clear? And somebody say, busy. I'm sorry. No, I'm serious. Then they would ring off. You had a phone with a little handle. Then they'd ring. You'd run, you'd pick up the phone. Line clear? Okay, then you phone your friend. And his number was 7122. And that meant two shorts and two longs. And you ring. Tring, tring, And then he hears the phone. Hear, Hello, 7122. Hey, is that you, Brew? Yeah, okay. Now we connected. Then somebody picks up. Line clear. No, we're busy. Will you kids get off the phone, please? We've just started, I know, but I'm busy. I need to phone somebody. That's how it was. Well, then, Michelle. Is that Michelle? Hallelujah. Just talking rubbish because you were out, but I felt God's... You, you know I'm talking rubbish. Is that what you said? He, he comes to me, he says, I hope you don't preach this morning. <laughs> I've driven all the way from the other side of the mountain. I hope you don't preach this morning. What have I come for? No, I hope the worship just overshadows everything. Thank you very much, Mark. Michelle, I felt God speak to me about you when they were praying for you. And there's a scripture in Colossians chapter 2, and it says this, In Jesus, in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And I felt God say he's going to teach you how to be a prospector. You know what a prospector is? And when they mention gold and digging, and there's one program I watch on TV, it's called Gold Rush. You, what's your Gold Rush? I love it. I love it. They rednecks to the extreme. But if anything goes wrong or breaks, a Burmaker plan, they know how to do that. But God is going to teach you to be a prospector. And he said to me, I must tell you, you must learn to prospect in the hills of God. 
because all the treasures, I looked up the Greek word for all, it says all. <laughs> all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. Amen? It's for you. <laughs> I'm a Greek scholar. I do. I know a little Greek. He's got a cafe down on the corner near us. He's a little guy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Philippians 2 verse 6 says this. 6. There we are. Though he was... What's that? ESV. I didn't specify that. All right, sorry. Should be NIV, the neatly inspired version, but it's fine. <laughs> Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. So, what I want to first um, press home for you to understand is that Jesus is God. Okay, Jesus is God. Who is God? He's Jesus. Who is God? He's the Holy Spirit. Who is God? He's the Father. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scripture. Jesus is God. And Jesus left the eternity of heaven to come to this planet to make God known. Because in the Old Covenant, poor old Isaiah saw God. And what did he say? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and this people is a people of unclean lips. I'm doomed because I've seen the Lord. Because the old covenant stated that if you see God, you die. Amazing. Then Jesus visits the planet, and he makes God known. But Jesus is God. When he was on the planet, he was fully God but he was fully man. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. He's, he's omniscient. It's a good word. He knows everything. I've got four children. When my youngest was this big, we, um, I, I bought a chocolate bar, bar one, you know, 25-hour nourishment. And I took a bite of it, and I put it on my side table, and then the kids went to bed, and I went, I thought, geez, this chocolate shrunk. So I shouted, who's eaten my chocolate? Silence. Who ate my chocolate? Little voices. I'm sorry, Dad. I fell into temptation. <laughs> now, how can you discipline that? <laughs> I fell into just... And my kids used to say, how do you know these things? Like you said of your mom, how does she know this? When I was a little guy, I was brought up on a farm. My brother and I, who just was with me last night, my parents went to town. So we went into my dad's office and we stole one cigarette. One cigarette. They went to town. It's 25 miles away. It takes them an hour. They're in town, an hour back. My mom gets out the car, out the, car the bucky, and she says to my dad, these kids have been smoking. How do you know that? How do you know that? God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your words before you speak them. And here's the wonder. He still loves you. With an everlasting, unconditional love. Wow. If I knew what people thought of me, I'd probably change my actions a lot. But God knows everything. He's on this side. I mustn't get stuck. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Doesn't waft around, you know, the Holy Ghost. Now he's everywhere. Because he is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He can do anything. And he saves people who you think it is impossible to get saved. And you share a word, and you share a testimony, and the Spirit takes that word and goes Zah! in that person's heart, and something changes, and they begin to see something. And God, this glorious, gracious God, begins to change something on the inside. I never needed God. You didn't think you needed God. You never looked for God. God looked for you. 
and he found you. Do you remember the day? I won't tell you how long ago it was for me. It was a long time ago. Before the internet and Google and TV, God found me. And then I got saved. And then TV came out. And I was in a church where TV, it was the devil. You're going to put the devil in your lounge. So we didn't buy a TV. We had neighbor vision. We went next door. Put the kids to bed and then we went next door and watched TV with our friends. We didn't have a TV, you know, now we have a TV. Stupid. Isaiah says this in chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And he did that on purpose. That was purpose because he was born as a child, like you're going to have another one, defining Jesus' humanity. He was born of a woman. He was a human being. He came to the planet born of a woman. He's a son that was given. The son was given to us, defining his divinity. This child is born, but this is a divine child. And he lived as a man. Jesus took on human form, but he restricted, he restricted the use of his divine attributes that were available to him but he chose not to use the divine attributes when he was a man. He lived as you and I live. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way, like you and I, but without sin. You, have, you, have you ever spoken and you've said an unkind word and as it comes out, you want to catch it and put it back, but it's out. And you, I'm sorry, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Jesus never apologized to anybody because he didn't have to because he never said a word that was wrong <laughs> he never asked for prayer he said can you pray with me not for me to the disciples in the garden just pray with me just one hour Peter can you pray one hour he taught us how to pray this man this Jesus was on the planet. He chose not to in Matthew 26, verse 53. You've got to stay with me. What's your name again? Camilla. 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 Well, is Charles all right? Yes. <laughs> Some of you never got that. You did. You got it. Well done, bro. Uh, that's, uh, your child slept well last night, obviously. He said, do not think that I can call, do not think that I can call on my father. Do you not think I can call on my father? And he'll at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. You remember when they came to arrest him? And Peter, impetuous Peter, pulled out his sword, sliced the high priest's servant's ear off. The guy's name was Malchus. Peter wanted to hit him there and split him. Mal on this side and cuss on that side. He wanted to kill him. How dare he arrest Jesus? He cut off his ear. And Jesus put the guy's ear back. Healed him. Healed him. And then he said, did you not think I can call 12 legions of angels? I could have done that. I could have used my divine attributes to save myself from the situation. But I've chosen not to. And from that day on, this, this is for free. This is for, no sword was ever used. To fight for Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, put that away. Through the whole of the New Testament, no swords. What was the sword? The word. He was the living word. He was the sword. So when, let me help you worship leaders. When you want people to, where's the other guy? Where is he? Him and where? No, the other guy. Him. The guy that didn't sleep, that slept well last night, got the joke. Yeah. When you sing truth, when you sing good theology, you will not be able to stop the people. And you two will get scared about where it's going. Help me, Jesus. I don't know where to take it. Yeah. Because the people want to sing the truth. Because the Bible says, you know, the truth, and the truth frees you.
You can come to a charismatic church. You can do the hallelujah hustle. I can't hustle so much anymore because I've got a gammy knee. And when I jump, you know, and I'm coming down, other bots are still going up. And I'm going up, other bits are still coming down. So I just, you know, I just, I just do a little hustle. And we're free. That's not freedom. That's an expression of what you feel in your heart. Freedom is, I know I'm accepted in the beloved. I know I am forgiven. I know this Jesus loves me. I know he took my punishment on the cross. That's, that's freedom. You see, I don't claim promises. I believe promises. Oh, I claim that in Jesus' name. No, believe it, you ugly thing, and then you'll get it. I claim it. No, just believe it. Jesus said you believe. What you believe determines how you behave. So you, this, this is the book. Read the book. It's got everything in it. I looked up the Greek word for everything. It says everything. <laughs> I, looked, I, I love to tease the church too. I said, you know, Jesus said without me you can do nothing. We can do lots of things. I can do lots of things. But nothing that counts. So I looked up the Greek word for nothing. It says nothing. <laughs> Jesus became a man. He got hungry. Jesus got hungry in Matthew 4, 2. I haven't given her the scripture. Jesus said, I'm hungry. Fed him. Jesus got thirsty on the cross. He said, I thirst. I thirst. He was a man. Jesus got tired. You remember he came through Samaria and stopped at the well where the woman from Samaria was at the well. And it says, tired as he was. He said, and Jesus got tired. Jesus wasn't transported to the bathroom by angels. He went by himself. He was a man. He could only be in one place at one time while he was on the planet. So if he was on earth now, he'd be in Weinberg and we'd be struggling in Greenpoint because Jesus would be in the Weinberg congregation. I'm just saying. Mm. He grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom and in stature with God and with man. He grew. At 12, he was remarkable teaching in the temple. People were amazed. But he grew. Well, if he was God, he didn't have to grow in wisdom. But he was a man, so he needed to grow. He didn't know when he was going to return. When he was on the planet. He knows now. Because he said, no one knows. At the time, only the Father knows, and he hasn't told me. So when you read the books, they say, God is returning. And I've worked the dates out. Burn the book. Because they haven't read this book. Because this book says, you don't know, you ugly thing. Nobody knows. But the book says, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I'll tell you what, it's closer than you think. I think it's closer than we think. We need to be preaching again about the second coming. Getting us stirred again. I'm not here just passing through. I'm not like a burp in eternity and I'm gone again. No, I'm here for purpose. But I'm telling you, something's happening. Something's happening. He waited for the power of the Lord to be present, which helped him heal the sick. He waited. And then it says, and the power of the Lord was present to help him heal the sick. He was a man. He was limited by the unbelief of people. He was limited. He said that a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. And he said he didn't find faith there for, for, to heal people. If he was God, I mean, give me a break. You've got a problem. Bang, sorted, bro. He was a man. But he walked this planet perfectly. Now, you know why he had to be a man to go to the cross? He had to be a perfect man to go to the cross. After, after Jesus was sacrificed, no more sacrifices. So all these religions and traditions and cultures that kill things, it's not God. It's not a God thing. We don't need, Jesus died. The Bible says once for all. 
when John the Baptist saw him, he said, look, look, here's the Son of God. He takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice would take the sins of the people in the family. Uncle A.B. and Auntie Jaime and all the little boys and girls stood there at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost with their sacrificial lamb. And the high priest would come. And the kids would say, I hope he doesn't ask dad about his tax return. I hope he doesn't ask us what we watched on TV last night or on YouTube. But you know what? The priest didn't examine them. He examined the lamb. And he found the lamb accepted. And when God looks at us, he examined the lamb whose name is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. And he said, you're a perfect sacrifice. And when I accept him, I become accepted. That is truth. That frees me. Come on, say amen, for goodness sake. That's a wonderful truth. So he put limitations on himself. How did he then perform all the stuff he did? How did he do it? He did it by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus lived on the planet up till the age of 30. And many from my era. Look, I was born again in 1974. I'm nearly 50 years in the Lord. He's been faithful. Yeah, thank you, brother. How much? Don't, don't be ugly now. <laughs> I was born again into the era where, where the life of the Spirit was... You don't mention the Holy Spirit. We were, I was born again into a very traditional situation. Very. They were so narrow-minded that they could look through a keyhole with both eyes. Seriously. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. People just... Oh. And I came to Cape Town on a course for my business. Stayed in a hotel um, in Victoria Street there. And I had a cousin who was in the ministry. And I felt I should phone them. But I knew in my heart what was going to happen. They were going to talk to me about the baptism of the Spirit. And I was afraid, yet expectant. So I plucked up the courage. And I went to the phone in my hotel room, which was stuck to the desk, because we didn't have cell phones, and I phoned him. And he said, we'll come and fetch you. And he argued with me, or I argued with him, the whole of Saturday, about the life of the Spirit. And he said, okay, you've run out of arguments, what now? I said, well, we might as well pray. <laughs> and as he prayed, the Holy Spirit visited me. And I suddenly realized I'd wasted four years of my life listening to theology that had no life. It was like a savanna. It was dry, but you could drink it. It was, it, was all, it was all truth, but there was no life. They'd taken the spirit out of the savanna. It was flat. There was nothing, but it was truth. And they preached the truth. And then suddenly the truth began to hit me because the life of God got into me by the spirit. Now, I did have the spirit because the Bible says you can't be a Christian without the spirit. But suddenly I experienced this. So I phoned my late wife. I said, you'll never believe what's happened. She said, I said, I'm speaking in tongues. She said, I want it now. <laughs> I said, love, I'm in Cape Town. You're in Port Elizabeth. I don't care. I said, um, I don't know what to do. You'll have to wait. Oh, grief. <laughs> we got, got home, phoned a guy who was a bit of a dodge guy. I thought I'd heard about him. I said, listen, can you come and visit us? He said, Okay, because now this traditional legalistic is phoning. He arrives in a suit and a tie, knocks on the door, opens the door. I said, come in, come in. He said, oh, thank goodness you haven't got a suit on. Takes his time, takes his jay. What's the problem? I said, my wife wants to be baptized in the spirit. He said, oh, glory, that's easy. And he prayed for her and God blessed her. Jesus was 30 and he got baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. I've run ahead of myself. 
And John the Baptist said this. He said, I saw the Spirit come down. Sorry, it's somewhere in there. It's John um, 1, 32. I think it is. Yeah. Let me read it from there. Then you guys can get it. It's just... So it's Christmas, eh? <laughs> then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. The first time in the history of the world, the Holy Spirit came and stayed. First time. He says, I would not have known him, except that the one God who sent me to baptize with water said to me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. First time the Holy Spirit came and he said, the one on him, he comes down and remains. You see, in the Old Covenant, the Spirit came on certain people at certain times for certain things. He empowered people for certain Now, you and I, that's what makes the New Covenant so incredible. Jeepers, get excited, man. For goodness sake. That's what makes it so amazing. Gospel of Mark, Mark says this. He said, when he came up out of the water, it's not, I haven't given you the thing, I'll quote it. He came up out of the water. He said, I saw heaven being torn open. That's how eager the Holy Spirit was to come to Jesus. Being torn, tore heaven open and he descended. And he said, I came and he looked like a dove. It wasn't a dove. Now you've seen pigeons, you know. Go to Wellington, there's a big church there at a revival. Andrew Murray. There's his statue. All it's down is full of bird poop. It's a monument now. It's a memory. It was a movement once. God moved in that church. Did incredible things. There was a revival through that whole valley. And that's what happens when the life of the Spirit gets neglected in the church. I must just say this. His dependence was prophesied about. Isaiah chapter 11. Camilla. How can I forget Camilla? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Who's Jesse? Yeah, no, not you, bro. I know this is a very biblical name. But who was Jesse in the Bible? Not you. Who? Whose father? Was it his dad or his granddad? You sure? Okay. okay, we've got it. You guys got it. Just, I'm just waking you up, waking you up. You're just going to sleep. From his roots a branch, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. You will judge righteously. But the righteous he will judge. The needy with justice he will give decisions, etc. The Spirit will come upon him. Go to Isaiah 42. 1 to 4. This is now Isaiah. Remember Isaiah 700 years before Jesus. 700 years before Jesus. He's prophesying. There's going to come one. He says, Here's my servant in whom I delight whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I do. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout, sorry, or cry out or raise his voice. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick will not. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. The spirit, Isaiah 61. It's amazing, eh? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Where is that quoted? Others? Others? We'll get there. We'll get there. The Spirit, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. Hallelujah. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. 
Isaiah is prophesying. In my day, we had fun and maver jokes. My first job, I got a job in the Department of Agricultural Technical Services, and the first guy I met in the office was Kurs van der Merwe. The Kurs van der Merwe. And he said to me, Spiel je rugby. I said, No. Yeah. He said, Okay. That was my. But he fed his son acorns because he wanted him to grow up to be a big oak. Yokes <laughs> 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 are slow. It was prophesied 700 years before the event. The Spirit of the Lord will come on a man and he will preach and he will show justice and righteousness. Many have attempted to do justice and righteousness, but this man, this one man, he could bring it because he was perfect. And Isaiah was prophesying, there will come one. So his dependence on the Spirit was prophesied about 700 years before it happened. His dependence was confirmed by the angel Gabriel about his conception. Look at Luke chapter 1, 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Yeah, yeah. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus. Now listen to this. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. We've won the war. We've won the war. Okay, we've won the war. We're going to be victorious. The church is not going to disappear with a little whimper at the end of the age. We've won the war. We lose a few battles here and there, but we've won the war. He will be great. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. I love that word. The power will come upon you. It says, is that NIV? No. Is it? It's the new version. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High Ladies will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Imagine Mary. Imagine Mary walking in the village, pregnant. Young, they say she was probably a teenager. Imagine her walking. I didn't know you were married. I'm not. How did that happen? God. What? The Spirit came upon me. What? And you're pregnant. Yeah. Just think of them. Just think of it. The enormity of what she carried. And then when Jesus was crucified, she was there watching her boy. Hey? When he was 12, they left. They left. They left the temple. Off they went back home. And then they said, Where, where's Jesus? The Bible says they've been gone, I think, three days. Imagine missing your 12-year-old after three days. Hang on. Where's Reuben? I, I don't know. We never know. Where, where is he? <laughs> They go back, they find him teaching. Mary, Mary carried this boy child. He was born, it was prophesied. In his baptism, the Holy Spirit came among him. I've already done that one. And remained oh, glory. Fourthly, so I've got a four points in a poem now. He needed to be full of the Spirit in order to withstand the temptations of the devil. Beloved, listen to me. You cannot fight the enemy with knowledge. You cannot fight the enemy with your intellect. You cannot, you can have as many degrees as you like. You could look like a thermometer, you have so many degrees. You cannot fight the enemy. You can only fight the enemy by the Spirit. Only by the Spirit. It says in Luke 4 1. You know, I just get on a roll and then this thing slows me down. <laughs> Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where he was for 40 days. That's where it says, 
He was hungry. Well, after 40 days, who wouldn't be? But he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit took him into the wilderness. And he was tested. How did he overcome? By the Word. It is written, remember? And the Spirit. Digress. You remember the two guys on the Emmaus Road? Walking all downcast, miserable sleepers. You know, we thought that Jesus was going to be the liberator. And then Jesus joined them. And he said, what's happening, guys? I'm paraphrasing. And they said, no, man. We've been walking, you know, and we met this Jesus guy. And he promised to be the guy that was going to liberate us and set us free. And now they killed the guy. And he said, well, we don't know now. You know, some people say he's risen again, but we don't know, you know. We... And the Bible says, and Jesus began to teach them. From Moses, all through the Old Covenant, he taught them about himself. He explained, he expounded the scriptures. So you must always have this. But just this will make you dry up. You must have the Spirit. If you just have the Spirit, I can bend. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If you just have the Spirit, you'll blow up. You'll, 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 you'll mess it up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you'll grow up. And there Jesus, yeah, He is walking in the power of the Spirit after His resurrection, explaining the Word. And then that famous, famous scripture, which good old Baptists love to preach on, did not our hearts burn with us as He opened the scriptures. They never mentioned the Spirit. But your hearts were burning because the Spirit of God was speaking to you, you ugly thing. Taking this word and making it alive. Lastly, he goes to Nazareth, to the temple on the Sabbath day, and confirms his own lordship to the people. Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. Now here's the interesting thing. In Isaiah, it says... And the day of vengeance of our God. If you go to Isaiah, can you go backwards? I don't like to take you backwards, but that's what it says. It says this. 61. In verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, listen, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's in, that's in the prophecy, Isaiah. Jesus quoted it. He left that line out. Why? You guys mustn't answer, man. You mess it up for me, man. You know these people that know. He took the day of vengeance on himself. The day of vengeance was when he got crucified. And he took the sin of the world. There's an old hymn, an old song that says, it's no wonder that he stumbled when he walked up Calvary's road. Because he carried the sin, the weight, the burden of the whole of humankind on him. It's no wonder he stumbled. And Jesus quotes this. He says, today. Imagine, they're all the... Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wooden seas and the couldn't seas sitting in the temple. And Jesus gets it says he gets up and they handed him the scroll and he turned to the place where it is written and he read the scripture and he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they gnashed their teeth and who is this? And he confirmed that he needed this presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit on him. Amen? Confirms his lordship. Imagine the teachers of the law. The senior pastor, sorry, the executive, executive pastor and the executive eldership. The senior pastor. Where do they get all that rubbish? It's not in the Bible. I've never found that. I was with somebody yesterday. They said he's our senior pastor. I said, you mean he's an elder? No, no, he's our senior pastor. I said, what makes him senior? His age or what? No, he's in charge. I said, no. No. And they don't know that. We don't know that. It's been changed. But Jesus stood amongst the temple and he made the statement. 
today. Do you think Jesus needed the Spirit to live? Well, of course he did. That's what gave him his ministry. That's what gave him his life. Up to 30 years old, you don't hear much about Jesus. But after 30, he began to do his ministry. The old guys like me say, you must be at least 30 before you go into the ministry. Jesus was 30. It's not true, but we like to, you know, you're a bit more mature. But today, with cell phones and all that stuff, you're a bit more mature. Jesus wants you to receive from him the Spirit. This is what it says in John 16, 12 to 15, my last scripture. I, I, got, I got on late, eh? No, 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 you took forever, bro. And you took forever. Jesus says this to his disciples. Last, I'm landing now. I'm landing. This is what we do in, in, in Joshua Jenner. I'm coming into land now. Might be a bit of a rough landing, and we might have to take off again because sometimes we don't know. But we come, we come here into land. We used to say, in a nutshell, or lastly, and then you last. Okay, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now be. He's talking to the disciples. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. How do I get a prophetic word? By the Spirit. He'll tell me what's to come. That's how prophets speak. He will bring glory, listen to this, to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. This is, this is Jesus's. He brings glory to Jesus by taking from what is mine, Jesus said, and he makes it known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine, make it known to you. Do you want more? Man, I'm so hungry for more of God. I've been walking with God. What's it? What's here? 2022. 48 years. On the 24th of October this year, it'll be 48 years ago, I bowed the knee to Jesus. He's been faithful. Both of you are not even 48 yet. A few over 48. One, two, three of you. I was born in the 40s. I've been around a long time. I've got gray hair because I haven't had as much pressure as Neil has. <laughs> I pastored, I've pastored churches for 30 years. It's a piece of rope. Easiest thing in the world. People, people, no problem. No, I'm getting off the track. We, we need him. And today he wants to impart to you life, hope, healing. If you've got things, that word this morning that about the heart is very good. Freedom is not a physical, ex, external freedom that God speaks about. It's a freedom of my heart. It's a freedom of my soul. I know who I am. I know who I've become. I know what God has set me free from. I did a conference. We planted a church up in a little town called Clarence when I was with my other apostolic field. Clarence is a beautiful little town. We planted a church there. They invited me to do a conference. They called it uh, Come to the River. And it's amongst the rural folk and they just, they dance. You just go, jing, and everybody's dancing. And they started thirst. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not dancing. What? I said, no, you're not dancing. Because you're dancing because it's just cultural. You're dancing because you dance. I'm not against you dancing, but I'm going to teach you tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning we'll dance because we'll have the truth in our hearts and the truth will make me dance. I won't just dance because that's what we do. We get together and what do we do? We dance. What do we get together and do? But I, I was going to say. The ladies get together and, no, we won't go there. You talk about babies and I can see, it's been a very fruitful time in this congregation. <laughs> but we, we must have the presence of God. So, I don't know how this is going to work. Oh, my water. Um, let's just close our eyes. Come. 
It's a bit late, I know, I've taken a long time, I apologize, but I'm not really sorry. Just let's close our eyes. Lord, we are so grateful that you've given us life. And you said, Lord, you, you want to give us life in abundance, in its fullness. And we, we, want to, we want to learn to walk in that, Lord. And we know, Lord, today you, can, you want to come and help us experience you. But, Lord, it's our passion that this won't be a little dab and we leave from you. We, we want you to fill us, Lord. We want you to fill us so that we can be changed and, and we can do for you things that we never imagined we could. So, Holy Spirit, we, we humble ourselves. Jesus, we humble ourselves. Father, we humble ourselves. And we, we declare, Lord, this is the declaration we make. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we're a hopeless cause. Without you, Lord, we're as good as dead. But Lord, with you, your word says we can, we can run through a troop. We can scale a wall. We can bend a bow of bronze. We, you, Jesus, said you can do all things through me because I'll give you strength. And we know that strength is your spirit. and It's your spirit, Lord, the spirit of Jesus. He represents you. He represents the Godhead. He's the perfect one pray. Won't you come now, Lord, and touch hearts? Won't you come and stir life in us? Now, just keep your eyes closed. I just feel to say this, that as I'm praying now, I feel that there are people, and obviously this is, it's like this in every congregation, but you carrying things, and I feel there are things like unforgiveness in some hearts. I feel that there's a, I must be careful how I put it. Let me rephrase that. We must learn to honor leadership. God has placed our leaders in position and we have to humbly honor and respect that and express that and maybe there needs to be some repentance there, I don't know I just feel that so unforgiveness, yeah that honoring leadership thing mm. and just you know the ten commandments are out of fashion today but God said you, you ought to have no other gods before me because I'm a jealous God. And I feel that just almost unknowingly things have crept in. You know, you know the Song of Solomon says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And it's just, it's little things. Little things. But they've come and they've, they, they're beginning to take a little bit more prominence than they should. And God wants you to set that straight now. Maybe I joked... You know, it's with your mobile. Maybe it's on your computer, I don't know. Just put it right. Just say, Lord, I humble myself. Hmm. Just a couple more things. I, and just keep your eyes closed. I was at the airport yesterday fetching um, my brother and his wife. They'd been overseas. And I was just watching people greet their spouses or their kids or whatever and it's just beautiful it's just beautiful to see you know they've been apart and then there's this embracing and loving and a lovely kiss and and I don't want you to feel sorry for me I, I lost my wife four years ago and I just watched that and I felt oh God those that's such beautiful. But God spoke to me and he said to me, I must tell the men 
Men, love your wives. Men, love your wives. I'll repeat it. Men, love your wives. And the Bible says, like Jesus loves the church. Sure. That's a huge ask. Because Jesus gave his life for the church. Now, if your love's waned a little bit, don't make up now, but put it right now. And when you get home, you, you tell her, you tell her that you love her. And that she's God's gift to you. So Lord, we bring these things to you. And we ask you to break the power of that sinful attitude in our hearts. And remove it. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit. Take, take it away, Lord. Just remove it. And if it's a process that's been done, I pray for much grace. Much grace, Lord. To make the process complete. Yeah, it's like this morning God's giving you like a course of antibiotics. <laughs> complete the course. Don't stop thinking, oh, I feel good. No, 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 no. Let him handle you like he wants to handle you. So, Father, here we are. So to speak, Lord, at your mercy, really. We've, we bring nothing except our sin. But we thank you that's been dealt with. And now your word says you've made a new and living way for us. You, you went through the heavens. We can come into the holy of holies. And we can, your word says we can come with confidence and we can come boldly and we want to learn to do that more, Lord. Not arrogantly, Lord, not flippantly, but remembering this cost you your life, this opportunity to speak face to face with the Creator, the one who demonstrated his love for us when we were still sinners, you died for us. As we go from here, Lord, I pray won't you implant something in us of your beautiful presence, more of you, and just help us to glorify that name that is above every other name, your name, Jesus. Thank you that we can bow the knee now. Thank you that we do confess with our mouths, with our tongues, you are Lord. Part us, we pray, with your rich blessing, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm doing that because I, I want to pray for people. Anybody wants prayer? I'll pray for you. I don't mind. I'll stay here till whatever time. But you've got kiddies, and I've had four, and I've got ten grandkids, and I know the story. But if you need prayer, want prayer, I'll, I'll pray for you. The rest, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen.